So you uh, don't think of Jonah very much, probably, other than the story with the whale, but we just heard of him in the Old Testament from the book of Jonah. We just read him in the New Testament, and not just in the New Testament, but Christ himself references him. So even St. Faustina meditated on Jonah. We'll have Paul read that at the end of communion from the diary of St. Faustina, where God commanded her to meditate on Jonah. So what is the message? You know, do we believe as Catholics in Jonah? Yes, he was an actual historical person. We believe this and the message is true. But the Catechism tells us that sometimes Scripture uses figurative, symbolic language to teach a given fact or truth. So we are free to believe Jonah and the whale as literal history, meaning it happened exactly like that, or didactic, symbolic, more of symbolism. Now, um, Carl Keating wrote in Catholicism and Fundamentalism, and this is what I wanted to share. I don't normally read a lot in the homilies. I, I don't think it's effective, but I think this one is, if I can read to you what he said. He said, the Catholic Church is silent on the proper interpretation of many biblical passages, readers being allowed to accept one of several understandings. Take as an example Jonah and his escapade at sea, which readers often find disturbing. The most common interpretation, the one that is held by Orthodox exegetes, is that the story of the prophet being swallowed and then disgorged by a great fish is merely didactic fiction a grand tale told to establish a religious truth. So it's true in one sense, but it's using symbol in another. Catholics are free to take this view, but also we may take a literal view, literalist view even, that he was really swallowed by this fish. So he went on to say, strictly literal interpretations of what happened to Jonah actually come in two forms. One relies on the fact that people apparently have been swallowed by whales and live to talk about it. In 1891, a seaman, James Bartley, I think it was right here in Massachusetts, from a ship named Star of the East, that's interesting, was found missing after an 80-foot sperm whale had been caught. He was presumed drowned. The next day, when the crew cut up the whale, Bartley was discovered alive inside. If Jonah's three days in the whale were counted like Christ three days in the tomb. This is Semitic 
fashion, that is, parts of three days. You ever wonder how they see Jesus was three days in the tomb when it was less than 48 hours? He was crucified on Friday afternoon and resurrected early Sunday morning. Christ wasn't even in the tomb, not even 48 hours. So how do we say it was three days? That's 72 hours. Because in the Semitic fashion, the Jews would take any part of a day and call it a day. Sounds like some laborers that... <laughs> but if, if you have Jesus crucified on Friday afternoon, you have Friday. Then he was in the tomb on Saturday. And in the first part of Sunday morning before he resurrected, he was in the tomb. So part of three days. And then we traditionally, in the Jewish tradition, always just put nights with it. If you say three days it's, and three nights, two days and two nights, five days and five nights. And so he was there parts of three distinct days, but perhaps only slightly more than 24 hours total. Then it is possible that Jonah could have been caught up by this great fish just exactly as the story said. This would be a purely natural and truthful explanation. It's literally possible. Science doesn't contradict the Bible, and the Bible doesn't contradict science. But we have to remember the Bible wasn't written as a science book. It's a moral book. That doesn't mean it contradicts science, but it wasn't written as a science book. It wasn't written to explain the theories of physics. It was written to explain the theological virtues. So to finish this quote, he says the other literal interpretation, because remember it said there were two, is that Jonah indeed underwent what the story read as straight history, what it says he did, but survived only because of a miracle. And several different sorts of miracles have been suggested, such as suspended animation on Jonah's part, or a fish with a remarkably large air supply and decidedly decidedly mild gastric juices. <laughs> this comes from the book, as I said, Catholicism and Fundamentalism. What it's basically saying is it's possible. It's possible. And even if it wasn't literalistically true, the message that Christ is teaching through this story or the Bible, the Old Testament, is true. It's kind of like where the Bible says, cut off your hand if it causes you to sin. I think how many times my tongue has caused me to sin. And Jesus says, if it causes you to sin, cut it off. My gosh, I wouldn't have had a tongue long time. So do we take that as literally true? Do we take it where Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off? Yes, we take it literally as true, meaning that whatever causes you to sin, you got to get rid of it. But we don't read the Bible as literalists, that we actually take out a saw and actually remove the hand. So what's the message? Okay, Jonah was three days and three nights in the stomach of a big fish. 
not necessarily a whale. And Jonah and the fish may be explained because we have learned that there were once sperm whales in the Mediterranean, the type of animal that could have swallowed a human being alive. They ended up being hunted to extinction. And so everybody said, well, there's no way Jonah could have happened because there's no sperm whales in the Mediterranean. There were, they found out now through fossils. So here's the message Jesus has given. He was dead, but he became alive again. Just like Jesus in the tomb, or just James Bartley in Massachusetts inside the sperm whale. As Jonah was alive again, so Jesus, who was dead, would rise again from death. That would be the proof Jesus is trying to tell them. This is interesting. Jesus was telling them that he would die for three days and then be alive again. Jesus quoted Jonah. Like Jonah, it would be three days and three nights. And then we'll rise again. Not three whole, three whole days and three whole nights, but part of three days and three nights, as we said. Jesus was actually dead, as we said, for parts of three days. Friday, Saturday, and part of Sunday. So part of Friday, all of Saturday, and part of Sunday. And the three days and three nights is used in Semitic terms to just mean a few days. So what was this message? Okay, Jonah preached the word of God to those in Nineveh, and they repented. Did you catch what it said? It said, upon hearing this, the king called for repentance and fasting. Could you imagine if our president proclaimed, self-proclaimed Catholic, actually repented and said, let us bring about days of prayer, days of fasting. Let us turn from our wicked ways. Let us uphold the dignity of human life, the sanctity of marriage, and the preservation of religious liberty. This is what the king of Nineveh did, and what did God do? He relented. He did not chastise them. The chastisement that they were owed. We in the West are owed much chastisement. Pray that our president and our other leaders will be like the king of Nineveh and will realize the error of their ways and will repent and call the people to repent to put on sackcloth and ashes. Doesn't have to necessarily mean you're going to roll around in them literally, but Ash Wednesday, we had them on our head, fasting, giving up something for Lent, penances. This is how we can do our part. And so Jesus is pointing out that he is much greater than Jonah, but the Jews were not repenting. We have the full message of Jesus, but like the Jews, we are not repenting. The Ninevites had much less than Jesus, the Jews had with Jesus, or we today, who have the most revelation. You know, Gina, uh, Jonah preached repentance in Nineveh only 40 days. Christ preached among the Jews for three years. So the Ninevites had much less to go on, and they repented. 
We have tons to go on and we aren't repenting. Jonah didn't do any miracles to give strength to his preaching, but Christ did several. And how many miracles have we seen throughout the history of the saints, yet we don't repent? The people of Nineveh repented without a sign. And Jesus is saying here, you want a sign. You evil generation. The Ninevites did it without a sign. Now you got the greatest of all, me. And you want more. And I think of the Western world, us we live in today. We want scientific proof or we shall not believe. That's what faith is. Belief without having to see. And so the people of Nineveh, they repented without a sign, but the Jews did not repent with signs. They did not believe him, and they did not accept him as Christ, just like we are doing today. We are on the same path. And look what God had to do to the Jews. He had to let them suffer and fall away to see the errors of their ways. But Nineveh, led by the king, repented. This is the time to repent. It's Lent. This is the time to change our ways. This is Lent. Pray for our leaders that they will do what the king of Nineveh did. You know, at the time of judgment, it says the people of Nineveh will show that the Jews were guilty. Let us take heed to that and realize in the same way they can show us that we are guilty. The Ninevites had much less than we do. They didn't have Christ. They didn't have the revelation yet. They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the writings of Peter uh, in the epistles or Paul in the epistles or the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They didn't have any of that. And they still repented. And we have all of that. And we believe much less. And so let us take this Lenten time to recognize. Start with confession. Tonight on EWTN, we ask you to join us because we have a brand new show. It's on confession in a way, but a whole new topic. I mean, a whole new approach. I, I did a show with Vinnie Flynn last year on confession, but this is totally new. And our guest is Jim Wahlberg, uh, the brother of uh, Mark Wahlberg. And I was in his home. He invited me to come stay with him. I actually stayed the evening, cameraman Giuseppe and I. We actually stayed in Jim Wahlberg's house. And what an amazing experience. This is a man, you want to talk about falling away, he was busted, he was guilty of crimes, he was thrown in prison, he did prison time. And yet he found repentance just like the Ninevites. Just like the Ninevites, he heeded the call and repented. His story is amazing. And so we invite you tonight at 630 on EWTN. If you don't have cable, it's on the app or on EWTN.com. Because we sit down in the living room of Jim Wahlberg and we hear about the power of repentance and conversion. The message of today's readings. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. 
please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.